G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm always pumped to record one of these episodes because I get the chance to meet and speak to industry professionals who, what I say, live, breathe and eat property for breakfast. And as part of that, you know, that I call them subject matters experts, I call them best in breed. Generally on the whole, they're just so willing to share their information because they want to see investors prosper and do well. That's what we call a win-win. So start with, my name's Aaron Christie-David. I run a mortgage broking business called Atelier Wealth. And uh, this podcast was started because a lot of investors were asking us questions that kind of we had to stay in our lane. And so we brought in professionals to answer those exact questions. And today's guest is an absolute, I'm going to say powerhouse in the property buying space. Good morning, Lloyd Edge. How are you doing? Hi, Aaron. Really nice to be with you. Yeah, mate. Oz Property Professionals. That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what we want to do is kind of lift the hood on your business, but most importantly, lift the hood on your journey as an investor. Because I think that's powerful. It's that's I guess it's the journey that's taken you to what you do today, and that's the reason why you're you know that you're a great buyer's agent. So that's what we want to talk about today. But before we do kick off, um, how to read your your bio and your history? Um, you're someone who I call. Uh, Play the long game, right? When you talk about buying your first property and to where you've ended up today. And quite often it's a transition, not an event when people go to buy their dream home. And that's something that we'll have a chat about in a little bit. But before we do kick off, how about we start with the three P's? So yourself, yourself personally, professionally, and your property journey as well. Okay. Well, personally, uh, I am very lucky to be married to beautiful wife, Renee. You go. uh, we've You're got- a good man. Smart man. Start with that. <laughs> we've got two kids. I'm Excellent. very lucky. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Riley, who's almost three, and Kaylin, who's 10 months. Wow. Um, you are in the thick of things at the moment. So, um, but they're gorgeous. They're yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they do what toddlers do as well. So yeah. that's all good. <laughs> and we have a dog, Frankie. There you go. Well. So I can't, can't leave Frankie well. out of it nah. because we, oh. you know, I take Frankie for a run every morning. So very she's good. part of it as well. Excellent. The the decision to start Oz Property Professionals, take us through that. Yeah, so the decision to start Oz Property Professionals uh, was probably a little bit different to the way most people start a business, is I'd grown my portfolio, and we'll mm. probably talk about that a bit later, yeah, yeah. but grown my portfolio through the years uh, while I was still working another um, vocation, while I was still okay. as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and then and I that, started was your, to, that was your line of work, you are in teaching? That's right. I, okay. I was a teacher, yeah. um, and I was basically building my portfolio uh, because I didn't feel that there's going to be uh, financial security for me, yeah. uh, you know, in the future. And I wanted to sort of build some, uh, build some wealth, uh, you know, moving ahead and everything. And I was doing all this before I had a family. Yeah. And I started to get a little bit of, uh, you know, media attention. Um, I was on a few podcasts and, and some of those uh, property magazines, Australian yeah. property investor, smart property investor and stuff like that. Uh, and I actually started to get a few uh, people contact me mm-hmm. who wanted my advice on, uh, you know, property investment. And at that time, I couldn't really give that advice because I wasn't qualified at all in property. But I I could just speak to them about what I'd done, my success. But one thing led to another. And eventually, I you know, I got all my real estate qualifications. I started the business. But essentially, uh, yeah, I had those clients kind of coming to me before I'd started the business. So I kind of started from that perspective and one thing led to another. You just touched on a point there as well, which I see a lot, especially both our industries. Uh, It's the notion of advice versus opinion. Right, because at that stage you weren't qualified. You DIY'd it, for example, so you kind of school of hard knocks, but you hadn't had the formal qualifications. So you can give an opinion versus now you can give advice. Right. So take us through. I mean, you see that probably day in day out where people have been given opinions and they're not really that great, or sometimes they've got a really good kind of heads up and it can go both ways. So take us through the opinion versus. Well, absolutely, and the opinion piece. thing is around. Uh, you know, like I speak to a lot of people who may have spoken to some family members at the Sunday <laughs> afternoon barbecue. Yeah, that's a classic because yeah. we get them inquiring on a Monday. That's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah the inquiry level is always higher yeah. on a Monday, uh, and, and and that's an example of you know people are well-meaning. Uh, yeah. You know, family members, for example, are well-meaning. They always 
want the best for you. Yeah. But I really think that you need to be careful of who you're taking that from because it's not actually advice. So unless your family member or the person who's given that opinion mm. um, is actually firstly had a lot of success in what they're doing, but yeah. also um, qualified to do so, yeah. you should be really seeking that advice from somewhere else. I, I call it a no pay, no say policy. So if you're not paying the mortgage, uh, you don't really have that much jurisdiction to make the decision uh, with all due respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Um, and it extends a lot further than that. Yeah. Um, obviously, as you'd appreciate, Aaron, is that even for myself, I I can give advice on property, but I don't ever give advice in terms with finance or with yeah, legal sure. matters or with accounting matters. Now, I may always know the answer. Um, yeah. Often I may not. But if I do know the answer, I will always say, please check that with your solicitor or go and speak to your broker, yeah. which is why it's very important for me when I'm working with my clients is that we have a good team of advisors around them. So, you know, they don't just work with me as the buyer's agent, but we work as a, a whole team so everyone can advise. But there's a big difference between people who are quali qualified to advise and those that are just giving the opinions of yeah. what they think. Because property is a funny thing. Everyone seems to have an opinion on very, property. Very. <laughs> uh, more so than you know, like if you're a um, if you're a brain surgeon, most people don't really have yeah, you know an not opinion. Not going to question your your judgment. Calls. That's right. But with with property, everyone seems to sort of have an opinion because they've heard about what the property market's doing, or they live in a house, so they would like to have an opinion on mm. on, on buying property and things. But that's obviously different to the advice factor. No, thanks very much. One of the things I mentioned before is I really want to go that that journey because you started. And we had a chat just beforehand. Humble beginnings, like the the one better, and it, and from there it's kind of springboarded. And I often say that first property becomes your cornerstone property because if you get that right, it does two things: it gives you the equity, but also gives you that confidence as well. And it sounds like you kind of you did get that bit of that springboard from that first property. So, take us on the journey, mate, from where you are, where you started to where you are now. Yeah, so the very first property I bought was a one-bedroom apartment. Now, I really didn't know what I was doing, but and I didn't have a strategy, so a lot mm. different to the way I invest these days. Uh, but I did have uh, you know, a loan approval. I had a yep. borrowing capacity of about 250000 300000 so, I, I Can I ask what your income was at the time? Because you were a teacher, right? I'm going to take a stab in the dark on, on the multiple on that. Um, I was earning um, about fifty k at yeah. the time. Which yeah. from the stats, it's a lot of a lot of property investors are sub a hundred k, right? They're not high income earners, which kind of throws that that um, that notion out the window. But yeah, keep going, mate. Absolutely. And um, with with that property, I, I sort of got lucky in a in a sense because I uh, didn't really think about you know all the factors I that you should go into buying you know, yeah. uh, a, a property in terms of location and uh, and thinking about the yield and, and all that kind of stuff. But I was just lucky that I did buy in a, you know, a, a fairly good area yeah. that was close to amenities, close to the station, not far from the water. Beautiful. And it ended up performing fairly well for me. Um, but one mistake I made was I, I'd bought that first property just after the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. So the market had already boomed. Yeah. And I actually bought at the wrong time of the market when the market was actually, it was at the height of the market mm. and then it actually started to go backwards. So something I learned a bit longer. So it actually took uh, a while for mm. that uh, property to actually go up in value and things. Yeah. So but I mean, you still, it still got you started, right? So it's hard to kind of say, you mentioned before you used the word lucky to get in, but it's also unlucky timing. But you look back now and connect the dots and go, actually, I'm kind of glad I got in when I did as well in, in one regard. Absolutely, Aaron. Now, if I look back now, so that was in 2003. Now, if I look yep. back now, which is almost 20 years, yeah, yeah. that property has tripled in value. Unreal. And I've actually refinanced it four times yep. to use the equity to buy other properties. So I've actually helped that to really launch um, other properties in my portfolio, particularly yeah. in those earlier days. Fantastic. And then take us through from that one, the one after and the, yeah. as, as you grow. So the next one, now that, that first property was actually, it was actually a, a home. So I actually lived in it for a while yep. uh, and then decided to move out um, and rented that okay. out. 
and then I bought another home to to live in. So okay. I wasn't just building a portfolio at the time to invest. Lifestyle. I was actually uh, building, uh, I guess, homes because I wanted to sort of live in live yeah. in a home and stuff. The second home I bought was out at Ingleburn yep. in the uh, southwestern suburbs. I know the area very well, mate. I'm a boy from the burbs. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, now the thing about that that was a uh, you know three bedroom villa, yeah. uh, and I again I bought that for a really good price. That turned into be a, a good investment in the long run because mm. Ingleburn actually had one of the lowest vacancy rates uh, in the country. Yeah, you know, going forward had had a lot of growth in those southwest Sydney areas. Yeah. But the thing about that is that's where we decided to make that sacrifice because I was actually working uh, in Bondi, in Bondi Junction. There you go. There's a few There's a few hours spent on the train each way. Yeah, well, I was driving. Oh, I was on the, the M5. Yeah. On the car park. Yeah. And um, fortunately, I had a motorbike and sometimes oh, I'd nice. miss the traffic and go up the side. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if it was raining, I, I might be in my car and, uh, yeah. yeah, it could be two and a half hours each way. Uh, so that was a bit of a, a sacrifice, but I, I knew that I wouldn't be there forever. Yeah. But that would be a bit of a launching pad while I was growing equity. Uh, that particular property, I did a few things to it to also add some value. And that's yeah. where I started to look at uh, creating that equity. So yeah. I, you know, I did a few little cosmetic reno type stuff that um, added some value, yeah. um, helped me then to uh, you know get into a, another property. Uh, the, the property after that um, was actually uh, a property that was a, a cash flow positive property. Yeah. And I made a mistake on that one right. uh, because I, I actually approached a buyer's agent. Okay. And, uh, and this was a sort of a catalyst for me wanting to be a buyer's agent later mm. on. But I approached a buyer's agent and I said, this is what I'm looking for. I want something that's positive cash flow so that I can start to, uh, you know, retire in the future and everything like that. Yeah. And of course, that buyer's agent ended up buying exactly what I was looking for, but it was really the wrong, wrong property. Mm. So they should have advised me about what I really needed rather than what I was wanting. Yeah. Uh, so it was a property in an area that had uh, no growth drivers, just one industry. Right. And when that industry collapsed, uh, the you know, the bottom fell out of that economy mm. in that area. So the, the market went backwards. Uh, and obviously since then, uh, I've sort of learned that you really need to be buying in an area with a lot of industry growth drivers. Yeah. So I always look for, you know, at least sort of five pillars of growth and always look for, you know, having, uh, you know, hospitals in the area, universities, uh, where the government is spending money on infrastructure, mm. uh, where the population is moving to, the jobs growth, the type of people um, and the demographic there and all those sort of things that that particular area didn't have at the time. Yeah, okay. So I've learned a lot from that. And it's almost the saying, right? You learn more from sometimes your mistakes and your fails and sometimes the wins because, you know, some success does leave clues, but also you, you build up that scar tissue from, from I won't call it bad decisions, but some taking a decision that didn't kind of work, work yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Now I've actually still got that property there you go. Um, and it's swallowed up in my portfolio, yeah. probably because if I sold it now, um, I wouldn't get my money back for it. Yeah. But also it's kind of a reminder. And when I'm <laughs> talking to my own clients, I can say, yeah. this is what not to do. Uh, yeah. I can prove it. I can prove it, and breathe it yeah. yeah. Excellent. Very good. And then the, the transition we mentioned to, to now buy your family home, which is a wonderful achievement. And, you know, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but it's a, it's a wonderful location on the water, right? So obviously very blessed to to call that place home. So take us through take us through the journey to now buy your home as opposed to keep building the portfolio. Yeah, so I used my portfolio to get that home eventually. So I yeah. kept building my portfolio and I did uh, buy some more homes to live in. So I eventually sort of moved to the inner, inner west Okay, and um, I met my, my wife and um, we actually, I think we'd only been dating for three months so we bought a house together. There we go. There's no such thing as short-term commitment, right? We're all in after three months. So I, I, was, I was right into it. You know, I just thought, oh, let, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, that, that proved to be a, you know, obviously a good area uh, to buy in and right. uh, later on down the track uh, I ended up selling that property uh, at a fairly significant profit mm. which uh, I could use it as a 
a good part of my deposit for my okay. dream home. So uh, the decision to keep versus sell, because that's often one that comes up. They're like, oh, look, I don't want to sell because it is performing quite well. And if I keep it or sell it, crystallize it, what what was the decision to sell? Because that is quite a big decision, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I've sold a few properties over the years, although I've still got a lot in the portfolio. So for me, there's always a strategy behind what I want to do. So for, for selling, it's often because of serviceability. And right. you know yourself, yeah. obviously, as a broker, uh, that everybody, no matter what your income, uh, you do hit a serviceability wall. Um, even for me, uh, I've done a lot of duplexes over the years. Right. Uh, you're building duplexes, but they've been quite good because you could keep one unit and sell the other unit, which yeah, pays okay. down some debt and all that. Yeah, yeah. But with, um, with our home in, in the inner west, uh, when I sold that, uh, I kind of needed that to help fund the, uh, cause we, you know, we bought an expensive home in Lilypilly yeah. down south. And, uh, you know, it's an expensive home. It's got quite a few zeros attached to that. It does have a few zeros there, <laughs> but the bank's not going to lend you that many zeros. So I needed to make sure I had a big deposit there as well. Yeah, right. So I sold that and also another investment property, right. um, in, uh, another city in Newcastle to, mm-hmm. uh, to fund that. So there's always a strategy behind that. So, uh, I sold a couple of properties to fund that property, but also I've sold other properties, uh, either to pay down some debt to improve my serviceability or maybe the properties themselves won't performing that well. Okay. Um, I had a property that I sold uh, this year uh, that was in Queensland and I'd held it for 10 years and when I re- really evaluated it, it hadn't performed as well as it should have. Mm. I didn't feel it belonged in my portfolio, so I'd sell that. So uh, it's never as simple as just you know people saying you should never sell a property. Yeah. There's always a reason to sell. Yeah. But although I sold a property this year, I also bought pr- three properties over the last four months. Fantastic. So I've, I'm still buying. Yeah. But you know you just got to be careful with the asset selection and if things aren't performing that well, then you need to reevaluate whether that property is going to be the right one for you as well. Yeah. Uh, I want to go kind of back to the start, which is on your income, right, when you first started out. And quite often, you know, when we meet younger investors or income uh, investors that don't have that high income, for example, six-figure incomes, um, it gets a little bit worrying for them because it's taken them that long to save for a deposit or the next decision could be quite critical because they make a bad one, it's going to set them backwards. So take me through your that initial fear period where you go, hey, look, these the stakes are getting a little bit higher. I'll make a bad decision. It's going to set me back, for example. It's just going to take longer. Obviously, you didn't have that investor mindset at the start, so you didn't know what you didn't know. But now looking back, were the fears real? Did you kind of did you bring them up? How did you go on that journey? Yeah, I, I did. And one of the things that um, I think is really important, particularly looking back, is that I, I always did try to buy under my borrowing capacity. So okay. I never maxed myself out. And that's something that I even talk to my clients about these days. Nice. Uh, never never maxing yourself out. And also try to keep that uh, cash flow up as much as possible. So okay. I, I am an advocate for you know, positive cash flow or yeah. at least neutral cash flow. Yeah. You know, I'm not really into negative gearing unless it's got a place in your portfolio if you really need it for, you know, various tax deductions or, or whatever. Or capital growth, for example. Well, yeah, a ca- capital growth, obviously, if you're buying in, a, in an area like Sydney or Melbourne. So mm. there, there are strategies there. Yeah. But if you're on a lower income uh, and you are earning, and I, I do work with a lot of people that might be earning 50, 60, 70K, yeah. you know, and they've got a small deposit saved, what can we do? Well, we need to get into a regional market mm. and also the cash flow is better in those markets. So if you can get something that's positively geared, then it's, it alleviates some of the stress because 
the rent from the property is actually going to cover your oh, expenses. expenses yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that's basically what positive uh, cash flow is on the property. Yeah. Uh, so that, that can alleviate that stress essentially and also help you be comfortable to move forward into an, another property rather than just tapping yourself out straight mm. away. Uh, it's an ethos that you kind of embrace, which is the positive geared. Uh, and it's kind of become your, your book, hasn't it? Positive geared. And you've got your second book coming out, which is called Buy Now. So take us through that. It's always interesting to have a chat to people that have put out a book and just go, look, the philosophy and the ethos behind putting a book in a, I can almost guess it's you're probably having the same conversations day in, day out. And you go, well, look, hang on, read this, absorb it, soak up that information, then come back to me when you've, when you've got that knowledge gap up. Is that is that kind of the driving force behind that, and what's inspired you? The the thing that inspired me to write the book was not um, really not as a uh, lead magnet or, or yeah. some kind of marketing material like a lot of people do. Mm. It was really to get my message out there, Fantastic. and it's because of the journey I've had. So I, yeah, it's not like I started the business and then I was looking for clients and I thought, oh, well, let's write a book. Mm. Uh, it was more like, well, I have had a journey, I you know, and I detail the whole journey in the book from when I grew up on the farm. Yeah. My parents didn't have a lot of money. But we had everything that we needed. Yeah. Um, you know, I moved to, to Sydney. Uh, I studied music. I then taught music for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then how I started my portfolio, I detailed that. And also how my strategies evolved mm. over the time and, and grew my portfolio. And I'm very open about the mistakes I made as well. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and then I have a lot of, uh, you know, quotes in there from uh, some of the professionals I work with. So, uh, you know, people like my accountant yeah. and my mortgage brokers and things like that yeah, yeah. Uh, have, uh, you know, put quotes in the book so that people can sort of take that sort of um, is obviously general advice because yeah. the book, you know, can't take uh, specific advice from the book but it gives people a bit of an insight on on how to build a portfolio and what I've done essentially and uh, yeah and a lot of people do obviously contact me uh, and get my help to uh, to help them with their portfolio but it really is about just tr- uh, trying to get the message out there and letting people know that if if I can do it so can you because That's I started nice. on on a low income I was on $50,500 or something when I when I started and yeah. most of that portfolio at the time until I retired from teaching was done on a sub 100k income so you know I wasn't earning you know hundreds of thousands of dollars like mm. like there is a bit of a perception that you need to be correct I and I don't want this to come out the wrong way but quite often when we deal with some people that are learning less than say 100k for example they almost have a little bit more hunger because they know I have a finite income and whereas someone that's saying sales role management role they've probably got the ability to earn more or grow or you know, invest in themselves to then grow their their pay grade but someone in that situation goes, well, all I'm going to get is the CPI or the, the next the next rung up. So I need to find another way out to build that revenue stream because I cannot trade my time for this cash. That's just not going to increase potentially as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um, and and I found that as well. And mm. and I was the same because I, I was just relying on the the CPI increase or the, yeah. you know it could be getting 2% pay rise a year. Um, yeah, until you want to earn, right? Yeah. That's right, yeah, absolutely. And and for me, um, what I did learn over the years is that you yeah, yeah, having cash flow prop cash flow positive properties is not that's only half the thing it's about getting properties that actually um, get that capital growth as well mm. because that's what really grows your wealth uh, and that's how you know I, I built my um, yeah, yeah. built my portfolio through that uh, capital growth so that's actually really important and having those strategies in place and uh, and when I started doing things like you know really manufacturing equity yeah. through things like subdivisions uh, small developments like duplexes uh, you know renovations mm. uh, and really manufacturing that equity and then having that equity there where you can uh, if you've got the serviceability you, you can refinance um, some of that and use that as a deposit for another property yeah. or you know if you don't have the serviceability because your income's a bit lower you can offload that property 
um, and you might need to pay a bit of tax on it, but you've, you should, you know, as long as the numbers stack up and you've done those numbers, you should be able to walk away with a bit of a profit, mm. which can be a deposit to get you further ahead in your portfolio. So it's all about being strategic about how you do things. Yeah, perfect. You've answered two big questions because I often say an investor will run out of one of two things or maybe both. They run out of borrowing capacity or they run out of equity. So run out of borrowing capacity, maybe sell a property, for example, add some value, try and get it, um, you know, try and get your income up, chase positive cash flow versus a run out of, what was the other one? Equity. Equity, right. So uh, when it comes to equity, it's like, do you do the subdivision? Do you do the granny flat? Do you do the duplex? Do, do you find something that makes an X factor about this property and then creates that as well, right? We do. So, so that's how you've kind of played the game of finance effectively. Absolutely. Every time I find a property, I'm always looking at how we can add value to that property. Right. Now, you may not need to add value to that property right away because you may not have the, the cash for the equity to be able to do that because yeah. it costs money to build a granny flat. Yeah. It costs money to, to do a renovation. But if it's got the potential mm. to do that, then you know you can do that sometime in the future. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I love finding blocks that might have a you know, a large backyard, it's got a wide mm. access ca- handle uh, so you can access the backyard uh, and, uh, you know, I check all the zoning and everything with council and we might have to do a, a granny flat there or it might be a block where you can do a, a subdivision where you can actually keep the house, subdivide the land um, and then at the, the block you've subdivided off, you could potentially build another hat dwelling on that mm. or, again, if you don't have the serviceability to do that, you might be able to sell that block uh, and just get some uh, money on the vacant block and I've, I've done that with, with people as well. That's it. Very good. And I guess as we wrap up, um, I guess you're not, again, where you see word advice as opinion, but uh, parting words to say newer investors or investors starting out on their journey, what, what's kind of your your way to give them a leg up? And I think the most important thing is, uh, you know, ha- have a strategy and, you know, do lots of, do lots of research and, uh, and, you know, get some confidence there. So, um, and probably the most important thing, and, and, you know, the next book I've, I've written is called yeah. Buy Now. Yeah. Um, and one of those things uh, about that is that, uh, I don't believe that anyone who sits on the sidelines has really, been able to get ahead. Mm. So people often sit on the sidelines and think, oh, what if the market crashes at the end of the year? Maybe I'm- What if rates go up? What if, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, if the rates go up and markets will come down or, or I get a better deal at the end of the year. Yeah. But when you sit on the sidelines like that, it's um, it's often, uh, you know, doesn't it's fraught with danger. So what I'd suggest is, uh, I often get asked the question, is now uh, the right time to buy? And that's often the wrong question. I think it's where should you be buying in the current markets? That's great. Uh, because there's, uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, some good areas to yeah. buy, uh, maybe some bridesmaid suburbs that haven't quite boomed yet. Yeah. Uh, depending on your strategy, you know, you need to look at that because if you're in a position, you've got the finance ready, mm. uh, you know, go ahead and do it now, but just make sure you're doing it with a strategy. Seek some professional advice. Uh, and that advice should come from a number of people. And like I wrote about um, in my book, yeah. Positively Geared, uh, the dream team and that dream team should consist of uh, you know a mortgage broker financial advisor solicitor accountant uh, and you know maybe, maybe a buyer's agent yeah. as well excellent mate sage advice thanks very much and I really appreciate you sharing and we'll also update the uh, links to your book so if anyone's keen to check out your book read it order a copy we'll put the links in there as well mate so thank you very much really appreciate your time and really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us uh, I love when um, we get professionals on here that don't have an agenda they just want to see investors do well because a rising tide will lift all ships and I really thank you for your time and your energy a pleasure Aaron I really enjoyed it I hope, you, hope your listeners get something out of it absolutely mate thank you very much that wraps up another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast you want to reach out to Lloyd and, and his team we will include the details of his business below and until next time take care